Rather than open your iPad, we are praying for you in this service. Hallelujah. Say this after me. Say, this is God's word, not Pastor Che's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just give you thanks for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that your word is quick and powerful and sharp. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts and divides, Lord God, through bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And it discerns the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And today, Lord God, we ask you to apply that word to us right now. Lord God, I, I ask you that you would wear me like a glove. That you'd be the substance of what is said and done. And that each person here will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to them through these words. Father, we submit ourselves to you and we promise to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. Now, we're, we're in the middle of a series called Relationship Rules. And I'm telling you, uh, God is challenging us to do some interesting things. Amen? Uh, we started two weeks ago, and one of the things that we found out uh, a couple of weeks ago was that uh, all of us have these relationship rules. All of us have these unspoken, unthought of, sometimes hidden things about us that, that kind of forces us or teaches us or guides us in how we relate to other people. Uh, for example, sometimes we relate to people by treating them the way they treat us. Or sometimes we treat them the way uh, they deserve to be treated. Uh, for some of us, we treat people simply the way we've been taught to treat people. It depends on where we grew up and how we grew up and just kind of what's happened around us. And then, so, then we become Christians, right? And when we become Christians, we walk into this new relationship, this relationship where God, He treats us not the way we deserve, not the way uh, we thought we should be treated, but He gives us unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness and unconditional acceptance. And He gives us all of this. And then He says to us, Now I want you to treat others the way I treat you. And then that's tough though. And that's hard. Because it's one thing when we relate to God because God is so perfect and we go, hey God, you know what? I can love you back. I can love you like that. I can give you my world. I can do it. Don't worry about it. So anyway, but you know, we say, hey God, you know, I can treat like that. But people are so imperfect and they do so many wrong things and they let us down and they hurt us and they disappoint us and they do all these things and we go god i don't want to treat them the way you've treated me and god says but you've hurt me and you've disappointed me but i treat you like that and we go yeah but god we want mercy for us but we'd prefer judgment for them we don't actually say that but that's what we mean because we go God, you understand what I'm going through, but we don't try to understand what they're going through. 
uh, we're quick to judge them, but we're quick to excuse us. And God says, I want you to treat them the way I treat you because you didn't deserve it. So I don't want you to treat them based on whether they deserve it or not. I want you to treat them simply because I treated you. Amen? And so last week we spoke about forgiveness. And you know what? One of the things we learn about forgiveness is that uh, nobody really deserves forgiveness. Forgiveness is really letting somebody go. And we don't really, they don't really deserve it. But because God forgave us, He expects us to forgive others. And then this week we're going to talk about something that's a little bit more complicated. And it's complicated because with forgiveness, you know, that happens, you know, every now and then we have to forgive. But the thing we're talking about today, we have to live out every single day in every single moment. And it is tough. But if we can catch what God is saying to us today, it will so radically improve and change your relationships. You won't even believe that the same relationship you're seeing right now was the one that you were dealing with maybe a month or two or three ago. Simply because you apply the stuff we're talking about today. Today we're going to talk about acceptance. And what I'm going to challenge you to do today is to accept the unacceptable. And that's right there is tough. Acceptance is such a touchy subject because acceptance is what really, if you think about your life, acceptance has shaped your heart and shaped your life and shaped your mind over the years. Rejection and acceptance shapes all of us. Think about this. You know that, that most of the friends that you have, they weren't really friends you chose. They really were acceptance that you responded to. In other words, have you ever had a friend and you go, I don't know how in the world me and this person actually remain friends because they're so different than I am. You ever had that before? That happens because guess what? They showed you acceptance, not that you went through a checklist and said, okay, they may meet this criteria, they meet that criteria. You know what it is? You responded to their acceptance. In fact, here, here's the thing I know about you and you know about me. Guess what? Most of the people that you're close with, the most of the environments that you respond positively to is simply because acceptance is in the air. Do you know there are, there are people who prefer to stay at work than go home? They feel more at home at work than they do at home simply because at work they're accepted at work, at, at home, there's all this contention and all this disagreement and all this fight and all this quarrel. Can somebody say amen? Amen. In fact, a lot of affairs happen simply because of issues of acceptance and rejection. Um, how you grew up. You know what? We have kids, a lot of our kids nowadays, a lot of teenagers would prefer to hear advice from their peers than they would from their parents. And a part of the reason why is because they would rather get wrong advice from people who accept them than to listen to good advice to people who lecture them. Because our hearts are attracted to acceptance. Not to right or wrong, but to acceptance or rejection. And what's the hardest thing for us in life is when we're trying to win the acceptance of someone else who keeps rejecting us. In fact, so many of us grew up in circumstances where we, were, uh, we grew up in performance-based acceptance, where the only time we're accepted is if we performed right. And because of that, we put that same uh, standard of achievement on everyone else, our kids, our spouses, our friends, and we say, hey, if you're good enough, then you're accepted, and if you fall short, then I'll reject you until you get your act together, and then you can come back in my life. 
Are you hearing this, everybody? You know, it's, sometimes here's what we do. We give the cold shoulder or the silent treatment or the, you know, I ain't answering that. I ain't calling them back. I ain't doing this. You know why? Because they let me down. Because they didn't do exactly what I told them. They didn't do what I taught them. They didn't know what they should have done, could have done, would have done. And if I were them, I would have done that. I could have done. And you know what? We get to this place where we go, they don't measure up. And then what we want to do is, we want to be like me. We want to preach to them, right? We want to preach to them and counsel them and correct them and take out scriptures and say, hey, boom, boom, boom. Hey, do you know this scripture? That's, you know what God said? And then, you know, you have husbands saying, hey, you know what? Wives should submit to the husband. And wives say, you know what? Husband should love the wives. And everybody all of a sudden becomes an expert at what should have been done because the person didn't measure up to their standards. And we keep them at arm's length until, you know, in a perfect world, they'd come back and just say, I'm so sorry. You were so right. I didn't know what I was doing. What was I thinking? I should have listened to you. You are the wisest person in the world. But I don't do that. And we don't get that. And so we live in these strained relationships of rejection because we won't accept people who are unacceptable to us. Well, I want you to turn to uh, Romans chapter 15 this morning. Romans chapter 15. And I want us to look at uh, a situation in the Bible. This is where Paul is speaking to the, um, to the Romans. And it's interesting because... Paul wants to challenge us as it seems we get challenged every week to do something the way Christ does. Every week, right? This is what it's all about. It's to do things as he does. Romans chapter 15 and verse 7. Here's what it says. It's, it's, it's really interesting. He says, therefore, accept each other. What's the next two words? Just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. So, so Paul says, listen, you've got to treat other people this way. You've got to accept them in the same way Christ accepted you. And we go, are you kidding me? Because how many of you know you were not acceptable when Christ accepted you? All right. Okay, let me try it over here. Uh, how many of you in this section know that you were not accepted when Christ accepted you? Amen. How many of you know you're not acceptable now? Amen. We're still not acceptable. Yet He accepts us. We're still not acceptable. Yet He continues to accept us. And Paul says, I want you to accept each other as Christ accepted us. No, the first word in that, sentence, in that verse says, therefore... And let me just give you a little Bible study technique. Whenever you see the word therefore, always find out what it's there for. It's, it's all right. It's one of those really corny jokes, but don't worry about it. All right. So what I want to do is we got to look at the context of what this, of how this is said. In verse 1, here's what Paul says in verse 1. He's trying to give us a way in which to treat people. He says, first of all, you who are strong, or you who are mature, or you who are kind of grown up in the Lord, here's what you must do. You need to be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. He's saying this. You, you need to be sensitive to people who are weaker than you. You need to be sensitive to people who make mistakes, who don't measure up. You need to be sensitive to people whose standards are not quite where yours are as yet. Because you're strong. You're mature. 
you're grown up. He says, I want you to be sensitive to people. And here's what he says after this. We must not just please ourselves. If you're in a relationship and the reason you're in a relationship is to please yourself, he says, you're in trouble because it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for you. Watch this now. So he says, uh, verse 2, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself as perfect as he was and as much as he didn't need anything. He didn't live to please himself. Here's what. For as the scripture says, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Verse 5. May God, who gives this patience, patience what? Patience to, to bear with others. Patience to uh, be sensitive to others. Patience to work with others. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ. So if you're a follower of Christ, you ought to be in complete unity in all the relationships in your life. With your husband or your wife, complete unity. With your kids, complete unity. With the people at work, complete unity. With the people at church, complete unity. You ought, because that is fitting for those who follow Christ. Oh my word. Here's what he goes on to say. Look at this, look at this. He said, then, what, after you're living in complete unity, then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 7 now, he's going to tell you how you get this unity, how you bear with one another, how do you live so that you're not pleasing yourself. Therefore, this is verse 7, therefore accept one another as Christ has accepted you. <laughs> it's powerful. Because he's saying this, I want you to develop the habit of accepting people who do not perform acceptably to you. I want you to develop the habit of accepting people who do not measure up to your standards. I want you to accept People who may disappoint you and people who, who make the decisions that you wouldn't have made. I want you to accept people who could have and should have and didn't though. Even though you warned them and told them and taught them. Even though you put up all these things and said, don't do it, don't do it. I still want you to turn around and accept them. It's, it's crazy. I'll I tell, tell you this. Pastor Eben is really good at this. Um, Pastor Eben has a way of disagreeing with you and yet when you leave his presence you feel the love that he has for you and, and it's incredible i watched him one day as we were sitting in a meeting i watched him one day tell a couple that they were not to get married based on all sorts of things that were happening in their li lives and he said, man, you guys need to wait. You don't need to get married now. This is not the right time. You guys are off. You need not to get. And these two people looked at him and said, but God told us. How many of you know when you pull the God card, it's really hard to say, you know, you just, you just pull the God card. God told us, man. So, you know, so he said, okay, that's fine. You know what? If you feel God told you, that's fine. Go ahead. But as your pastor, I'm saying this is a bad idea. You know what Pastor Eben did? He turned up to their wedding. He bought them a wedding gift, took pictures, 
hey, you know, Pastor Edmund is like, hey, right? He did all that. Here's the thing. Even though he disagreed, they felt accepted. When they got in trouble, guess who they came to? The person who accepted them and didn't reject them, even though he disagreed with them. Because many of us, what we do is that we use rejection to manipulate people to do what we want them to do. We think if we reject them long enough, then they'll get their behavior right. They'll line up. They'll get things together. We use rejection as this punishment so that eventually they'll respond to rejection and come back to us. People don't get attracted to rejection. They get attracted to acceptance. And as you're rejecting them, you're pushing them far from you. You're not pulling them to you. And when they get in trouble, as right as you might be, you standing up there saying, I told you so, doesn't make them go, oh, yes. We can't afford to lose our relationships just to prove that we're right. I want you to hear me. Because what we're doing is we're, we're so busy trying to win an argument, we forget about winning the person. And God would rather you win their heart than win the argument. Because that's what he did for you. God didn't come down here and say, hey man, before you can come to me, you've got to get your act right. He said, I want you to come with me just as you are. And we'll work on your act together. Oh, it's so different. It's so different. And this is what he expects from us. Because a lot of times, the tension that we have in our relationships is based on some argument where we want to prove that we're right. And so do they. I, every time a couple walks into my office because they want counsel, here's what they come in thinking. They come in thinking, when I get finished telling Pastor Chen my side of the story, he's going to say, you're right. He's going to say, you know what? He's going to turn to that person and say, you know, you need to listen to her because she's right. You don't need to That's what, you know what? Every time a couple comes in, you know what I'm thinking? How are we going to save this relationship? My focus is on the relationship, not on the rightness. But everybody walks in focused on their point, focused on their argument, focused on how right they are. And if that's what we're focused in our relationships, we end up losing not only the argument, we end up losing the person as well. Are you with me today? Amen. You know, uh, I remember when I became a Christian, <laughs> I, was, I was so far from being acceptable. I, I mean, I was a party guy, right? I was like, you know, I used to smoke because it looked cool. You know what I'm saying? I, used to, I actually used to um, stand up against the wall. I used to do those little small, those, uh, those little circles. I said, you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought I was something else. I thought I was really something else, right? And so I, I'd walk around. I used to be a DJ. Like, you know, I used to go on and, and I used to play so I, you know what I mean? Like, and so I was cool, you know, like, you know, last night a DJ saved my life, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, that was me, you know? I was like, and so, uh, so it's kind of funny because when I got saved, right, nobody told me that parties were wrong. Nobody told me that, you know, none of that was wrong. So I used to still, I got saved and I'd go to these parties and I'd tell people, man, I'm, I'm a Christian, man. And they'd be like, you? <laughs> so, man, if Jesus can save you, he can save anybody. 
You know what I'm saying? Because I was so unacceptable. But nobody told me all these things that I was doing was wrong. But over time, I started to feel uncomfortable. I was like, man, I don't want to do that no more. I don't want to smoke anymore. I don't feel good about it. I don't, I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to be partying. Some, somehow, God started to work in me. Watch this. Not because He argued with me before He accepted me, but because He accepted me first. And because He accepted me, He had influence in my life. Because He accepted me as bad as I was, I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? That's what He wants us to do to other people. That's how He wants us to be. But acceptance requires some sacrifice, right? It requires some sacrifice. Verse 1 says that you've got to be mature or you've got, you've got to be uh, kind of like strong, which means you've got to sacrifice some immaturity in your life. You've got to decide, watch this, immature people only do things that are convenient and comfortable. I'm going to say that again. Immature people only do things that are convenient and comfortable. That's why a baby cries. A baby cries because it's uh, uncomfortable for them when they're, you know, when they're hungry or when their diapers are uh, wet or whatever it is. Listen, the more immature you are is the less you can handle inconvenience and discomfort. So if you're going to put up and bear with the weaknesses of others, it's going to require that you kill some immaturity in your life because it's always going to be uncomfortable and inconvenient. Are you with me? Here's the other thing that it says. Not only that, he says that you're going to have to kill this idea of the relationship is for your benefit. He says you can live for yourself or to please yourself. If a husband and wife get married and they're in it for what they can get out of it, that marriage is going to fail. You've got to be in it for what you can give to the other person. Oh my word. I'm helping you this morning. I know it don't feel good, but I'm helping you. Amen? Amen. You've got to think, you know what? It's not about me. It's about how can I win their heart instead of my argument. It's about how can, I, how can I accept them first before I start to bring correction. You've got to have a heart that accepts people. It says this, it's not only do you have to kill some immaturity and kill some uh, self-pleasure, but you also have to prioritize the relationship over you being right. It can't, listen, some of us here hate to admit when we're wrong. And so being right is such a big thing in our lives that we would rather lose a relationship than say, I was wrong. And you've got to get rid of that. You've got to step back and say, you know what? Being right is ain't all that. The relationship is worth more to me than me winning this argument. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Jesus, that's how Jesus won us. Think about this. Uh, John 3.17. I love this scripture. It says this. Um, Jesus says, he did not come, God did not send His own Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Do you realize that Jesus could have come to the world to prove that He was right and that all of us were wrong? He could have walked on earth and just simply said, Hey, you know what guys? I want all you 12 disciples to know something before you start following me. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You are wrong and Peter, you are triple wrong. 
Can I tell you something? Uh, woman at the well, hey, how you doing? Listen, before I even talk to you about this, what you're doing here, I want you to know, I know all about you and you're wrong. You are wrong. Pharisees, wrong. Hey, uh, Zacchaeus, wrong. Man, he could have gone through everybody. A woman who committed adultery, wrong, wrong, wrong. He could have made, and here, here's, here's the thing, because he knew everybody's mind and heart, he could have told them that they were wrong before they even said anything. I know what you're thinking, you're wrong. I know how you feel, wrong. Man, he could have gone through all that. But you know what? He didn't. He didn't because he knew that it wasn't about who was wrong and who was right. It was about who was being accepted and who was being rejected. He decided to hold back on proving how right he was by accepting us into his arms. And so Jesus is awesome because here, here's what he did. He, uh, he went to the woman at the well and he asked her for a drink of water knowing that she had all these marriages and that she was living with a man who wasn't her husband. And he sought to build a bridge with her rather than make a point. He sought to build a bridge rather than make a point. Man, Zacchaeus was up in that tree. And here's the thing with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a thief. Zacchaeus was a cheater. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And Jesus could have simply said, Hey, Zacchaeus, you know why you're so short? Because you're a thief, man. And you, that's why God cursed you with, you know, Pastor Chess height. Right there. But you know what? He didn't do that. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house and eat there today. And when you know somebody is much better than you, and they decide that they're going to come to your house, that makes you feel accepted. We have to decide that instead of winning an argument, we're going to win a heart. We're going to win a heart. One more scripture, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Here's what Paul says. This is the chapter before the one we started with. Here's what he said. Romans chapter 14. He says, accept other believers who are weak in faith. And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's alright to eat anything. But another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. For God has done what? For God has accepted. Who are you to reject whom God has accepted? The pastor likes to go to international restaurants and stuff like that. And one day I went to a restaurant with her. And um, this waiter who serves at that restaurant, he saw her come in and he wanted to serve her table. And uh, this waiter came up to us and this waiter had on, uh, waiter, not waitress, waiter. This waiter had on more makeup than Beyonce. I swear. I mean, psh, pretty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and uh, I mean, if, you know, uh, if you were a woman and you were there, you'd be like, man, where'd you get your mascara from? Boy, that, that's something else. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of right. Serious, right? Well, here's the thing, though. This guy always wants to serve Pastor Sarah. And one of the reasons why he always wants to serve Pastor Sarah is because Pastor Sarah never lets him feel rejected. 
She's all asking about him and his family and what's going on and da da da. And she's all talking to him about all sorts of things. And she's not trying to correct him. She's not trying to, to change him. She's not trying to do anything. She's trying to find out who he is and she's trying to connect with him and she's trying to let him feel accepted. And here's the thing, he didn't even know she was a pastor until way down after we are talking for so long. And he was like, you're a pastor for real? <laughs> and part of the thing with him is this, he never expected a pastor to treat him with so much value. And because of that, he said to her, the other, he said, man, I have some personal issues. Can I come talk to you about them? What if she had rejected him? Because here's the thing. When people are rejected, they will find somebody to accept them. And you have to ask yourself the question, am I the best person to speak into this person's life or would I rather them go somewhere else? Because if you decide to reject them, they'll find the acceptance. Your kids are going to find somebody to accept them. Your husband or your wife are going to find somebody to accept them. Your co-worker is going to find somebody to accept them. So if you reject them, believe me, they'll find somebody else. And you have to ask yourself, do I want that? Or is the relationship worth more to me than me proving that I'm right? So, now Jesus says, that's what I want you to do. I don't want you to win an argument. I don't want you to prove your point. I want you to prove you're right. I want you to accept people and win them. When winning becomes, winning a person becomes a priority, you are forced to listen to them. You're forced to understand their heart. You're forced to hear things from their standpoint. You're forced to just back down and listen. And it doesn't make them right. But it makes them valued. And people don't need to be right. They need to be valued. And that's what you do when you put the relationship above you being right. I'm going to close with this story. Um, shortly after I graduated from college, I got this job at this advertising firm. And the guy who was supposed to be my direct supervisor, he was on vacation at the time. And I walked in and I started to set up and stuff. And everyone there thought this was kind of funny because the guy who was uh, my supervisor, he was so anti-Christian and so anti-church. They were like, oh, this is going to be real funny, right? Everybody else in the firm thought, oh my gosh, here's this Christian guy about to work with this guy who was just no for bashing Christians and um, so the guy came in and the guy in his head thought you know what before long this kid is gonna backslide I can't wait so we started working together and stuff and um, I never fought against him never argued with him in fact we developed a great relationship over a course of a couple of years and this guy was as staunch anti-christian as I was Christian but we de developed a really good friendship well this guy got himself into an emotional crisis and he didn't know his way out. And he called me one day and he said, you know what? Of all my friends, you're the only one who knows what to do. I need help. And out of that situation, I was able to lead this guy to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But the only reason I was the only reason that happened was because I showered him with acceptance even though I didn't accept his behavior. 
And you've got to be able to let people feel accepted even when you disagree with what they're doing. You can't be so afraid of your reputation being marred. You can't be so afraid of people feeling like you're endorsing their behavior that you end up rejecting the person as well. The Bible says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. A friend of sinners. He gave up his reputation to win people. Yet we're protecting our reputation and losing people in the meantime. Which one is worth it? And that's what God is asking you this morning. Amen? Man, bow your heads with me this morning. Hallelujah. God is so good.